0: This is the story of the girl who spied, Nancy Wake. Read by actor, singer and producer, Justine Clarke.
1: Isn't it funny to see a little bunny waiting for her mummy to come and wipe her bummy? It wasn't that rude, sure, it said bummy, but really, ten-year-old Nancy Wake had said a lot worse. So when her mum found the poem in her uniform pocket, Nancy thought it was a bit over the top to have been dragged by the ear back to school. Her mum demanded that the headmaster punish her severely. In those days, school punishments were a lot harsher than they are now. Detention was the least of your worries. Teachers were allowed to hit kids with bamboo canes, sometimes on the hand, sometimes across the bum. Or should that be bummy? But it wasn't the time for joking. Nancy, without thinking, dobbed in her friend Jenny for teaching her the poem. She immediately regretted it. Poor Jenny's stink eye was something Nancy never ever forgot and she knew it was the very last time she would ever be a dobber. Even though it was over the top, Nancy wasn't exactly surprised that her mum had reacted that way. As sad as it sounded, Nancy felt as though her mum didn't really like her. She always had her head buried in the Bible. One time, she even told Nancy that she was ugly and it was God's way of punishing her. Her dad was different. They snuggled and laughed and played. He was a journalist, and Nancy would wait for him at the garden gate every day to come home from work. Until one day, with no explanation, He didn't, and she never saw him again. Nancy was empty and had nothing to lose when she turned 16 and ran away from home. She missed her galah, her cat and her dog, but that was about it. She got a thrill from being sneaky and gave herself a fake name, Shirley Ann Kennedy, so her family wouldn't be able to track her down. When she turned 18 and her mother could no longer force her to return home, she went back to using her real name. It was a lucky move, because if Nancy kept calling herself Shirley, she may not have received the most important mail of her life. 200 pounds from an aunt in New Zealand. She never quite understood why her aunt chose her, but assumed it was because they were both black sheep. Nancy had run away from home and her aunt had run off with a married whaling captain. Whatever the explanation, she didn't really give a hoot. As most other women her age were settling down to start families, Nancy booked herself a seat on a ship bound for the glamorous cities she'd always loved reading about in magazines. New York, London and Paris. Not long after she arrived in Europe, her sneakiness helped her score a newspaper reporter job in France. ''Do you know much about Egypt?'' the interviewer asked. ''Of course,'' Nancy replied. ''I speak Egyptian.'' To prove her lie, she scrawled some words from right to left, pretending it was a mishmash of Arabic and hieroglyphics. It was really just backwards regular shorthand, but the interviewer was fooled. ''Sucker.'' was everything Nancy had dreamed of. Fashion, perfume, croissants, and her very own handbag-sized pooch, piquant, named after a French drink. Despite her growing obsession with glitz, glamour and pastries, Nancy was no ditz. When she heard horror stories about the rise of an evil group of Germans known as the Nazis, she caught trains across the border to see them in action. Nancy watched in disbelief as Nazi stormtroopers, led by the terrifying dictator Adolf Hitler, targeted Jewish people in the streets for no good reason at all. They would spray paint shop fronts owned by Jewish people and then take everything from inside and set it on fire. Most of what Nancy witnessed on those trips is too gory to mention, but as she saw those innocent people's livelihoods go up in smoke, a fire also burned inside her. I'd like to serve on the front line, please, Nancy said. I'll do anything, so long as I'm amongst the action. The man taking sign-ups for the British military laughed. <laughs> you might want to try serving food in a canteen. Making sandwiches for the real soldiers? that chance of that. Nancy felt more wanted by France than England. She married a Frenchman, Henri Fiocca, in a black wedding dress, with pink lining no less, before kissing him goodbye as he was called to serve in the French army. Not content to sit back while the men did the fighting, Nancy learnt to drive in just one day. She converted an old truck into a makeshift ambulance to ferry wounded soldiers from the battle lines to hospital but she grew frustrated as the fighting seemed to be useless. When the Germans took control of France, it was time for Nancy to mix that angry fire in her belly with the sneaky streak she loved. Working undercover with the French resistance and using the code name Lucienne Carlier, Nancy and Henri organised supplies, hideouts and escape routes for refugees fleeing the Germans' control. They helped more than 1,000 people escape France and cross the treacherous mountains into the safety of Spain. When the Germans caught wind of the sneaky Nancy, they nicknamed her the White Mouse because she was so hard to catch. And then they found her. Almost. Run, the conductor yelled. The Germans are here. They're about to search the train. Nancy slid the window open and leapt out. She rolled across the ground and bolted into a vineyard with bullets whistling past her ears. She spent four nights sleeping in pig pens, the dirtiest yet least likely hiding spots, before emerging from the forest covered in scabies. That's a disease caused by mites burrowing under your skin and laying eggs. Gross! A truck driver then smuggled her to the base of the mountains under a load of dusty coal bags so that she could trek the same route that she had helped so many others follow to safety. With a husband and a dog still in France and a deep hatred for the Nazis, there was no way Nancy was giving up her fight. She was accepted into the extremely hardcore British Special Operations Executive. Take that, Mr. Try Serving Food in a Canteen. She mastered every weapon imaginable. Bazookas, grenades, rifles. She learned how to make bombs and even how to kill the enemy with her bare hands. Yes, hardcore. Hardcore. In the dead of one night, she jumped out of a plane with a parachute, two revolvers in her pockets, and a backpack filled with nightgowns, a tube of Chanel lipstick, and a red satin cushion. She was back on French soil. Nancy organised loads of weapons to be airdropped by British to the French resistance. Then she had to teach everyone how to use them. She also fought in many bloody battles, putting her hardcore skills to gruesome use. But it was one epic mission, where her lipstick came in particularly handy, that Nancy prided herself on the most. When her team lost their radio and a set of crucial codes, she came up with a plan to get replacements. She would cycle 200 kilometres up and down rugged mountain terrain to a village where a resistance radio operator was said to be stationed. No one thought she'd make it, but Nancy combed her hair put on her lipstick and changed into a dress. She filled her bike's basket with bread, fruit and vegetables. It was all a sneaky ploy to make herself look like an ordinary villager. When she pedalled through checkpoints manned by German guards, the nincompoops simply whistled at her, blinded by her beauty. If only they knew. The seemingly harmless local girl on her way home from the market was indeed the wanted white mouse. Nancy didn't usually cry, but after gritting her teeth and pedaling 400 kilometres in 72 hours in a dress, she couldn't hold back the tears. It hurt. But there was one worse pain Nancy was yet to endure. As she continued to make her way around France, back to the town where she had left her husband, Henri, she was told that he had been killed. Nancy was devastated and blamed herself for ever leaving him behind. There was still someone waiting for her, though. Piquant wagged his tail with joy when he finally made it back to his master's arms, and Nancy squeezed him, promising never to leave his side again. When it was clear the Germans were about to be defeated, the White Mouse flew back to London with her nightgowns, tube of Chanel lipstick and red satin cushion. Her mission had been accomplished. She won a tonne of bravery medals and always insisted a woman could be just as fierce as a man. "'I hate wars and violence, but if they come, "'then I don't see why we women should just wave our men a proud goodbye "'and then knit them balaclavas,' she said. "'And she never rode a bicycle again.' (laughs) "'Thanks for listening to this story about a really fierce girl.' I'm Justine Clark. You might know me from play school, but I'm also a writer, a singer, an actor and a producer. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on other great stories, like this one.
2: What's wrong with her? The nosy lady gawked at the girl with the metal things on her legs. The girl frowned. There's nothing wrong with me. That's right, said her mum, you're a champion. Louise Sauvage was born with one leg bent underneath her body and the other almost touching her shoulder. She couldn't walk properly. But when she tried wheelchair racing, it was love at first roll. And she was fast. As fast as a roadrunner, the actual real-life bird, not the cartoon. She won race after race and was chosen to compete in a demonstration of her sport at the Sydney Olympics. The gun blasted and Louise pumped her arms. More than 100,000 people rose to their feet. Louise pushed and pushed. She crossed the line and raised her arms in victory. Yet on the podium, she noticed her medal was smaller than the others. For a moment, Louise doubted herself. Then the crowd roared again. She realized she was a real Olympian in the eyes of the people who really mattered. There was nothing wrong with Louise Sauvage. She was a champion, and she just won gold at the Olympics.
1: Oh, sounds amazing. So tell your friends to listen. These stories are so inspiring and
0: fierce. Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super-fierce women. Its executive producers are Justine Kelly and Monique Bowley, It's produced by Laura McAuliffe and Rebecca Armstrong. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. Judy Rapley is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. Kelly Reardon is the boss who lets us make fierce podcasts like this one. Fierce Girls is a production of the ABC Audio Studios.